AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You don't just live in your home. You live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to How to Citizen with Baratunde, a podcast that reimagines citizen as a verb, not a legal status. This season is all about tech and how it can bring us together instead of tearing us apart. We're bringing you the people using technology for so much more than revenue and user growth. They're using it to help us citizen. Take me to the scene and and paint a picture for me uh, of Bahrain, the place where you grew up. I think Bahrain is honestly one of the most beautiful countries. We're surrounded by water as an island, obviously, but there's palm trees. 
Um, I could do without the traffic because we're also a very small country, <laughs> you know? But what I love about it so much is that everything is community and family oriented. And it's oftentimes regardless of what you think and who you are and how you feel, when it's family time, it's family time. That's where you get together and you eat. That type of togetherness, it's where everybody kinds of just melts together and it's chaos, but it's beautiful chaos. You don't have as many fights when you have these get-togethers is because nobody can actually hear the other person. Everybody's just talking over people. <laughs> and it's yeah. like you're, you're, you're talking to somebody, but you also have a mouth full of dates. It's a great place to be, but it's also a terrifying place to be. You want to be yourself, but you also can't. But you also don't want to fault the communities and the people there. For the most part, it's, it's not our fault. Of course, we are accountable, but it's not like we can just rise up and say, hey, we uh, disagree with this and we're going to do something about it because the consequences are dire. But you also love everything that it stands for when it comes to community and passion and people really care about each other. I mean, a couple of years ago, uh, we lost our house to a fire. There was not a single person in the neighborhood that didn't come to help us. This is Esra al Shafei. She's the founder of Majal, a network of digital platforms that amplifies underrepresented voices. Today, we're going to be focusing on one of those platforms called AWA, a gamified social media app designed for the LGBTQIA community in the Middle East and North Africa. What does that mean exactly? Well, imagine you were on a social media app where you were anonymous, but also safe. Are you thinking, Baratunde, that's impossible. As long as there's an internet, there will be trolls and threats and surveillance. Oh my. And I hear you. Trust me, I've got haters too. But it's true. Esra's built a platform where kindness earns you points. And points give you access and trolling that costs you points. But first, let's learn a little bit about the person behind the platform. We forget that sometimes, right? There's always a person. Hello, Esra. How you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well as well. You should be if you're talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And we're off to a fiery start. I love it. Normally, when I'm doing these conversations, I have the video of the person I'm speaking with up and we can see each other. Your video is off, though. Why is that? My video is always off. And that's for my safety. I've always been physically anonymous with the type of work that I do, which is, of course, human rights, working with vulnerable communities including the LGBTQI community in the Middle East and North Africa. If I really want to continue doing this work, there's only so much that I can do from the front line. There's a lot that I need to keep underground. And my physical anonymity is becoming harder and harder with the types of different surveillance technologies that we have to protect, especially knowing that I'm amongst millions of activists that are monitored and surveilled on a daily basis. It sounds massively inconvenient and 
like something that takes a lot of energy to try to remain uh, anonymous in this way. Are there any advantages to it? Absolutely. I mean, it's the reason I'm speaking to you today. Um, I get to talk about this work. When people go and give talks, they know that this talk is going to be seen not just by the people in the room, but by everybody. Snippets of it are going to be on Twitter and on YouTube and in wherever you know it's going to be hosted. And for me, I feel like it's going to stay in that room. Mm. And I can make very dark jokes and get away with it. <laughs> you really get to be your authentic self mm. without fearing for your life. I've seen some of the work you've been up to, and it is positively, ridiculously impressive. What you've been working on these past many years, over a decade. Tell me about the work you've dedicated yourself to over the years. Sure. So I created Mejel.org um, somewhere around 2005. During that time, you know, this was before Twitter was big. Facebook was still limited to a lot of colleges and things like that. And not just anybody can, can sign up. So outreach was much more challenging because mm. it was hard to reach the communities that you wanted to reach. I what say, communities were you trying to reach? We were trying to reach ourselves. I mean, we were just young people at the time in a country that made censorship the norm, where you go to school and there's certain information that you can't find and can't talk about, where you go in, in the household and people are scared to talk about certain things, where you see the injustices around you, but you keep it to yourself. And it's a traumatic situation to do that. That's really what got me interested in creating a platform where when we see an injustice, we can talk about it. We can talk about how migrant workers are being treated in our country, how corrupt leaders were getting away with insane policies that were keeping us away from our own dignity. We wanted to talk to and with communities that were completely invisible at the time and had to be for security reasons. These were really the communities that we wanted to make sure that they felt welcome, that we wanted to build something inclusive and that it wasn't going to be just about us. It was going to be just a space where we can just share our stories and speak with people that we were discouraged from even acknowledging. What are you not allowed to say that has such dire consequences? I mean, first and foremost, it's, it's not a democracy. We don't have a say politically how things are run, what policies are being enforced upon us, Government issues a statement, you do this, we do it. There's dire consequences when you don't. So that's, for me, a big part of the fear. No fair trial, so if you're an activist and you get uh, accused of something, sometimes even a tweet criticizing a member of parliament, you will get arrested for that. And there are laws now that have been revised where there are certain tweets and there are social media crimes, but what makes a social media crime criticism So it's a scary situation to live in that type of environment. And it's not something that is unique to Bahrain. It's really everywhere we went. So even when we would travel to neighboring countries, we have to be very, very conservative in what we are expressing. Because as much as we are changing, we are getting a lot of pushback from really well-resourced countries. Mm. I mean, these are countries that are spending billions of dollars on surveillance technology from some of the most sophisticated companies out there. 
whether they're Israeli companies that specifically build surveillance videos and tools and or U.S. companies, actually, that are not being held accountable working with repressive governments like this that are putting the lives of activists at risk because it means they get a couple hundred thousand dollars. So that type of fear really gets to you. But we wanted to be sure that we could creatively bypass a lot of that. And that's why we turn to music. That's why we turn to gamification. That's why we turn to art. Because we're trying to do things in such a way where it's not just a group of investigative journalists who are going to publish this bombshell report through Human Rights Watch or something like that. Of course, this stuff is important, but this is also the stuff that will get you killed. So we wanted something in the middle. We didn't want to get arrested at the same time. We didn't want to stay silent and therefore complicit. Everybody I know would be in jail because all we do is mouth off on the internet against mm -hmm. people with power. It, it just doesn't, it, it feels literally foreign. We'll be right back. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn. Alliances will shift. 
and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. I want to talk about one of those platforms that you helped create. Tell me what AWA is and where did the idea begin? So it began in 2009 and it began as a platform for the LGBTQ plus community in the Arab region where we can just share stories, share support, um, share resources, and really just build a supportive network where we can be who we want to be without the fear of bullying, prejudice, trolling that we saw was prevalent in many of the other platforms. Mm. Everywhere we went, we felt punished. We felt humiliated. We felt threatened. And it was really tough because you can build, you know, you can go on Facebook. And even when you create those private groups, a lot of the times what we saw was a lot of them were being deleted because, oh, you, uh, this is against community policy. And they're not obligated to explain any further. They had a lot of moderators in the region, which we felt that for them, being queer was against community policy because it's against cultural norms. Wow. We thought, okay, look, nobody out there was sitting saying, hey, let's design something that a bunch of queer Arabs can really also, you, you know, nobody's sitting there saying, well, what about this community? What about this small niche? You know, let's put monetization aside and growth metrics aside and let's put the people, for, nobody's going to think that. Why do you think it wasn't in a Twitter, for example, in their interest or Facebook in their interest to serve the queer Arab community? I mean, for them, it's really about let's grow because it helps our strategic direction on how best and how quickly we can monetize a specific tool. That's the bottom line for them. It's not security. It's not community. It's not people like me. One time, the Committee to Protect Journalists invited a group of us to go and speak at Facebook headquarters, at Twitter headquarters, and nobody cared. It was over like a, a lunch brown bag. Everybody was disappointed because they didn't get the sandwich order that they wanted. And they're just like, this is just a meeting for me. This is not a place where I'm going to come and somebody's going to try and push the boundaries for me. The designers were showing up and you could tell that they were just doodling and could not care less about what my colleague from Syria was saying about being hunted. What my colleague in Azerbaijan was saying about being arrested on a weekly basis and investigated. They couldn't care less. I mean, they felt pity, but... One person would actually say, well, why do you use these tools for those purposes? That's not what we designed them for. You know, if Facebook is really a place where you can go and connect with the classmates that you haven't heard from in a long time. And so that was for us. That's them saying, we're not building this for you and we never will. If these are the people who are setting the rules, setting the stage, 
then that's all they're ever going to care about. Or we can't force them to care about us. That scene is so familiar and so infuriating. Mm-hmm. So, so what have you built as a contrast? How does AWA work? And what is it providing for this LGBTQ plus community that a Facebook or a Twitter wasn't willing to provide? Well, first of all, we spoke to everybody that we could. What are you using to find support in this space? And why isn't it working? And so that's, that's where we started finding the void in what was already available. It's, um, okay, we don't have proper anonymity. Facebook, obviously, for a long time, discouraged anonymity altogether. It was crazy. I'm not boarding a flight. I'm using, you know, a social media site. <laughs> and so for a lot of people, that's really where the line was drawn. And they felt that they just didn't have that security. So for us, what we felt was, what if we built a platform where everybody was welcome? You know, we didn't want to build something cliquey and we didn't want to build anything that was invite only. Okay. Where somebody had to know somebody to know somebody to come in because most of the time the target communities that you are scared to even express sometimes to even come out to yourself. So we said, okay, you can log in, you can introduce yourself a little by little based on the type of interactions that you're having on the site. If you're posting something that's helpful, some people say they would mark that um, contribution as helpful. And that gives you more points. And based on the number of points you have, you unlock more sections of the platform. For example, access to a page of resources, where if you have 3,000 points, now you can have resources organized by country. Like in Lebanon, this is where you can go to do this. In Saudi Arabia, this is a counselor that is very LGBT friendly, for example. And then you are able to create a chat room. You're able to join a chat room, all based on the different level of points that you have. And the thing is, is of course you can, you know, game the system, but it requires you to be super tolerant, supportive, kind for like hundreds of posts so that you can call somebody a jerk for one second before (laughs) then you lose all your points. This is amazing. You have, you've increased the price of trolling. I mean, it's exhausting. Basically, if you're going to effectively troll on this platform, you've got to go undercover as a decent person. Exactly. For weeks. <laughs> the most homophobic people in our communities won't even put themselves in that. But we have had a couple of stories where people would say, look, I came here to troll. I'm not going to lie. I saw this. Somebody posted about this. But when I put myself in that situation with fake support, I realized I was actually connecting with people. It was actually changing some mindset because they realized, wow, I'm talking to somebody who would rather kill themselves than come out. And they would really put themselves in that shoes and they started empathizing. We didn't just want to build a place where it's an advocacy organization. It's like, recognize us, we need this. We wanted a place where it humanized the community in all of its different phases and with many different people. And we never wanted to say that this was a singular story. It was thousands of stories. I mean, now we have about 11,000 users. That's 11,000 very different experiences. That clicks with me because the other platforms are very flat and their incentive structure is around pretty much letting everyone do as much as possible, as quickly as possible. So there's no, there's no investment. It's almost like when I go on a place like Twitter, people are showing up with such disrespect because they're not actually invested in the platform. They haven't had to work for any of it. 
And so, of course, you can trash somebody else's house. Mm-hmm. And what you set up is a kind of a different incentive structure where people have a sense of belonging. They put time in, which is a form of investment. Here's what I'm not hearing, Esra. I'm not hearing scale. I'm not hearing growth. I'm not hearing maximize shareholder value. Like in the, in the language of the commercial internet, this is small. This is uh, cute. This is a failure. What, why are you not building to make this the biggest, fastest growing, most amazing thing? You got all these great people. Now add some zeros behind that 11,000. Why are you not doing that? Because scale is moronic, honestly. Every platform that has built for scale sucks. Either the people there suck or the features suck. Or both. More often than not both, honestly. People always complain. It's like, oh, the internet is full of idiots because that's by design. Mark Zuckerberg uh, was very famed for saying is, oh, you have to move fast and break things. And the thing that you're breaking are people's confidence, people's spirits, people's banks. I mean, these are the things that you break. People's dignity, people's security. These are all things that you cannot build at scale, period. And so that's why the internet today looks very homogenous. And so when you move away from that, the internet starts looking a lot better, a lot healthier. We'll be right back. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The wait is over. 
The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. So you've painted a hilarious, truthful, and clear picture, a contrast in how the internet has been built and in a bit of how else we can build it with something with a platform like AWA. Who's maintaining AWA? Who are the people that have been operating it for the past decade? So we have a very small group of volunteers. Primarily, a lot of us are women. Women in Lebanon. We have women in Jordan. It's not a lot. It's a small team, but we don't need a lot. And that's the beauty of it. And then we have a community of uh, volunteers as well. And so these volunteers, they show up and they help moderate some of the content just to make sure that people are not maybe sharing something like an address or outing somebody just to kind of keep things a little bit more safe. But oftentimes they're also helping people with onboarding. Nobody's paid and that's tough. But at the same time, it kind of keeps things sustainable as well because you know that they're doing this because they want to. They're doing this because they care about the platform. They care about the community. They care about the integrity of the information that's being shared on there. But it's it's all volunteers. That also is remarkable. I think two parts of that. One, the the human interaction. uh, And and second is the role of women. On the human side, so many of the platforms most of us are used to, we don't interact with people, right? They try to automate as much of the onboarding as possible to get us on as fast as possible, to get us producing as much as possible. It's like we're factory workers on the internet model that most of us experience. And it's like, get on there, give us your data, interact, smash that like button. And to have a human slows all that down and makes it more intimate and, again, increases that investment. I think the role of women is also fascinating because in the very early internet in the U.S., there's a history in the early bulletin board systems and forums where women were actually about half or even a near majority of the users. And they were designing different types of spaces that weren't about scale, that weren't about aggression as much. And they essentially got chased out by a bunch of dudes who were like, but we can, we can maximize things. Scram. And so before the trolling and the abuse took over, there was a different internet possible here. And I'm glad to see it. it's more than possible. You're building uh, a part of it there. So thank you. But I'm, st- I'm still curious, how is this all funded? Like, how do you keep this all going? Unfortunately, in the region, when you're building these types of tools, it's very difficult to get them funded. And so that's one of the biggest challenges that we've had, but also biggest frustrating points because we see the colossal waste that um, the philanthropic community in the global north, whether it's, you know, in the UK or Canada, but primarily the US, where a lot of private foundations give a lot of money 
to people who don't know what they're doing. You see that also when people are trying to build a tech platform, it's like, well, that person had to have gone to Stanford and then went on to work at Twitter and only they will know what an Arab lesbian may need in Saudi Arabia. Those are the people that help destroy what the internet could be like. And now we're paying them to do the same, but in the nonprofit industry. Mm. So it really kills us to see that when we go and when we're asking for funding and we have, look, this is decades worth of work. I mean, other people, they would show up with no track record whatsoever, but simply because of who they are and who they may know, they get access to funding a lot quicker. And not just access to like 100,000. These are people getting access to millions and millions. And we see platforms low through $50 million because, again, they were trying to do things at scale and not work directly with the activist communities, with the journalist communities. And they're not collaborating with us. So this is the thing that bothers me the most is the lack of collaboration and the fact that a lot of private foundations are now encouraging competitiveness. That's what's killing organizations. That's where you come in and they say, we want metrics, we want scale, and we want you to do it, by the way, in a very dangerous setting. Let's get as many LGBT people together to use a tool that has not, doesn't have a proven concept or has not been tested for security. So now we are putting lives at risk so that you can say that you risk this many people. So, I mean, I'm just very frustrated at the current environment of philanthropy. I think it's so broken and they are so in denial that it is. And it's just upsetting. You know, something's got to give. You either remove that, the obsession with metrics or you make sure that access to funding is equitable, that is generally inclusive, and not just you want to fund the two token organizations that everybody funds to say, well, we funded, you know, this and that organization, and that shows that we're not racist. You are still, you know, in many different ways. Um, and I love reminding this. And by the way, that's another reason why sometimes it's hard to get funding is because we became outspoken. You know, for too many years, I was sitting and I was like, I'm not going to say anything, you know, because it's going to ruffle their feathers and they're, they're not going to give me access to money. And then I realized, you know what? I've always been broke. They will never give me money. So now the gloves have totally come off. Every time I come across this, I tell them to their face, what you're doing is idiotic. You know, your strategy doesn't work. It hasn't worked for years and you're part of the problem. And it doesn't bother me that they get Some of them actually say, you know what? We needed to hear this. Um, and then they go back to not doing anything about it. Yeah. Oh, Ezra. <laughs> um, don't get me started could, on this. I, I mean, I, this is... I think I I feel like I wound you, you up. You wound me up. We start... <laughs> so, so <laughs> what would it take for other social media platforms to create safe digital spaces like Awa has? I don't think they can. Is it too late for them? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think they can. I don't think they will. And honestly, I don't think they should. I think it's time for other creators, if they work at these organizations and at these companies and they feel, I don't feel like I'm doing the right thing, leave it and create something else. And don't think that it's got to have all these different metrics to succeed. It doesn't matter if even you have 5,000 super active users that are enjoying, generally enjoying your tool, that are finding it super helpful and you grow. Every year we grow by just a thousand users. Just a thousand. Yeah. We're at 11,000 now. We've been at going for a little over 11 years and that's just fine. We have enjoyed that type of growth. 
because it's meaningful growth. And it enables us to test out these features at a scale that is reasonable and that is manageable and that is more efficient and secure. And that's fine. I think we need to start understanding that the internet is not what is already out there and we stick to it. That's not the internet. Those are just tools on there. It's kind of like saying there's all this land and we all have to cram ourselves into um, these two buildings because we can't build. Honestly, we need to stop looking at the internet as if what can it do for me? What can you do for the internet? What role can you play in building these communities, you know? Oh, you are, you are, did you just John F. Kennedy quote the internet? <laughs> <laughs> Ask not what the internet can do for you, but what you can do for the internet. <laughs> Esra, you got me fired up. I mean, I feel like the parallels to what you're describing uh, abound. If, if we thought of the only way we could create food is through some giant agribusiness versus starting with our backyards and growing a few tomatoes. And it's not all our food needs, but those tomatoes are going to be bomb, right? It's going to be amazing. Yeah, grow those damn tomatoes, you know? And every now and then you're going to be like, you know what? I'm going to get some cilantro as well and parsley. And suddenly you see that vibrant, amazing thing that you don't have to go to somebody else to rely on. And that is empowering. Sometimes we're like, well, we have to wait for that empowerment to arrive to us. We have to do that ourselves most of the time because nobody gives a crap about us the way that we want them to. We're never going to be somebody else's priority. Mm. So we're not saying completely dismantle it. I mean, you know me, I'm on Twitter as well. I mean, you, sure, you're going to grow tomatoes, but then you've got to go to the store and get something else. Baking soda, I don't know, something that you can make yourself. So it's, it's really about creating that healthy balance, but making sure that you don't wait for somebody else to give you a voice. Esra, this show is called How to Citizen. We use citizen as a verb. Taking that interpretation, what does it mean for you? What does to citizen mean? It's to be responsible. It's to hold yourself accountable when you're falling short and to hold others accountable when they're abusing your rights or the rights of those around you. It's the way that I can live with myself to wake up every day and say, I think I citizens my ass off today, you know? <laughs> um, how can I citizen even better? And that's really where the tools come in because it's not just about you, but sometimes it's about giving those in your position, the tools to do exactly what you did and to facilitate that. People are going to be fired up when they hear you, Esra, and they're going to be like, what, what can I do? Tell me what to do. How can we support your work? The most important thing is to help spread the word that scale is not good and to do it in any setting, in for-profit setting, in non-profit setting. We need to get rid of that word or we need to reclaim how it is defined. The second thing would be build your platforms, um, support open source communities, because just finding places like that where you can contribute to a different kind of web, that would be great. Um, you can do it with your skills. You can do it by spreading the word. You can do it with your money. Speaking of money, I've never say no to that. <laughs> I remember that actually you had tweeted um, about Mejal and he said, hey, you know, I just heard this talk and everybody should give this organization money. Um, I regret to inform you that nobody took you up on that offer. So this is a <laughs> so this is a second opportunity for those. Um, but, you know, organizations like ours, we operate on very little. 
And that's not by choice, but it is by choice that we will continue to work despite having so little. Well, Esra, you are not alone. We hear you. We will get some money to you this time. My tweet failed, but I'm going to blame the algorithm and the, and the lack of context. We have a lot more context here. Is it uh, Majal.org? Is that the best place to direct people? Yes, Majal.org would be the best place. Um, people can connect with me if they want to support in any other way. And I will say that if you fail this time, there will be dire consequences. I won't go into detail because this is on the record. <laughs> oh, there will be snap. dire consequences. And there goes the threat. <laughs> she promised when she when the video's <laughs> off and she got that anonymity, sometimes she exactly. makes threats. Exactly. And you know what? If somebody comes after me after this, I'll say it's a deep fake there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Esra Al Shafi. Thank you so much for this time. I am fired up and ready to go. Good, good. And I hope um, you know. I hope you stay fired up. And thank you so much for you know amplifying the story. Um, this is always a great opportunity to speak with you. And it was definitely uh, the least uh, boring podcast I've been a part of. So that's good. <laughs> Yo, could you put that on our iTunes review? Yeah. Uh, How to Citizen, the least boring podcast I've been a part of. <laughs> Okay, if after that, my social media following doesn't give money to Majal, yo, let's just say we might not even get season four of How to Citizen because this is how you citizen. It's right there in front of you. So please don't make me look bad, people. Come on, y'all. But in all seriousness, that's the kind of fire we need to truly think outside the box. Or maybe, as Esra might put it, smash the box completely. Next episode, we're speaking with Pia Mancini, another huge advocate of open source. I'm starting to see a theme here. And she's co-founder of Open Collective, an organization that enables collectives to receive funding without needing a legal entity or a bank account to do so. You can't beat the nation state, so stop trying. Build around it until it becomes obsolete. But the nation states weren't always here, and they're not going to be here always. As part of How to Citizen, we want to offer you more than a chance to listen to cool conversations. We want to give you ways you can citizen. That's why we're building a universe of citizen actions over at howtocitizen.com. So for this episode, here are some things you can do. Personally reflect on when have you felt concerned for your safety and security online? What features made you feel vulnerable or exposed? Was it something you could control or was it outside of your control? next type of action, get informed and question the idea of scale in philanthropy. I want you to check out majal.org, M-A-J-A-L.org, that's Esra's joint, and take a look at all the platforms they create. Then beyond Esra's work, when you're engaging with nonprofits and philanthropic organizations, take a look at who founded the group and who runs it, who's funding it. Then try to find groups that are run by people closest to the problem or experiencing that problem directly. Here's a great way to start that learning journey. Read this dope book by Edgar Villanueva. He's an indigenous person, former philanthropic operator, and he's written this beautiful book called Decolonizing Wealth. I can't recommend it enough. Third level of the game, publicly participate by challenging some of those philanthropic norms. Many of us 
support large organizations that emphasize scale and unsustainable growth in the way they try to help. Instead, I want you to consider getting as local and grassroots as you can. So I want you to do an extra favor to all of us here because you heard Esther call us out. Donate to Majal.org, M-A-J-A-L.org. All this is available at HowToCitizen.com. Find us on Instagram at HowToCitizen to share your thoughts and learn from others. And why don't you post with that hashtag HowToCitizen. Goodbye for now. How to Citizen with Baratunde is a production of iHeartRadio Podcast and Dustlight Productions. Our executive producers are me, Baratunde Thurston, Elizabeth Stewart, and Misha Youssef. Our senior producer is Tamika Adams. Our producer is Allie Kiltz, and our assistant producer is Sam Paulson. Stephanie Cohn is our editor, Valentino Rivera is our senior engineer, and Matthew Lai is our apprentice. Additional production help from Arwen Nix. Original music by Andrew Epen, with additional original music for season three from Andrew Clausen. This episode was produced and sound designed by Ali Kiltz. Special thanks to Joelle Smith from iHeartRadio and Rachel Garcia at Dustlight Productions. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.
Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.